that, that, that whole thing where like they they silence nearly everything he says and then and then like and then all of a sudden you just hear splooge <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yep, yep, that's right. And from music video sins, Barrett Share. Hello! You can hear the enthusiasm in Jeremy's voice today. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. that's correct. Um, with the musical Hamilton uh, showing up on Disney Plus over what? The yeah, no, better get on that man. Um, <laughs> um, it's uh, we thought we would talk about some of our uh, some musicals that have been made into movies and so on and so forth. Uh, first off, what did you guys think of this uh, this um, version of Hamilton that was on stage? They shot it at Richard Rogers, I guess, over three different days or whatever. Uh, this production, it, it, what, what do you guys think about this one that's on Disney Plus? It's about as good as I think it could be. There are a few moments where the tight shots rob the viewer of what I remember being cool wide shots of what's happening on the whole stage. Yes. But I think the tight shots work because they show the emotion on the performer's faces. Um, even sometimes tears real or fake, uh, which you can't quite see from the 20th row back. Um, I was wrong. I need to clarify something. Uh, the guy that plays King George, Jonathan Goff had left the, the production when they made this, and the new guy graciously stepped aside for the filming and let Goff come back and do the role again so that it would be the complete original cast. Um, but I had misstated. Why are you? Why are your eyes going wide? It's, uh, it's Groff. Groff. Yeah, sorry. I'm thinking of the football I player. Groff. And this must be a discussion that you guys had when I was gone, because I don't remember you talking this about it. This was last week. We, we talked briefly oh, about okay. it, and I, I mentioned that the, uh, it was before anybody had left the show, and then I was corrected, helpfully, um, by a nice person on Twitter. I wanted to clarify that. Uh, I no, that's very it. cool, actually, for for everybody involved in that whole thing, by the way. Oh yeah, to to make sure that this because I mean that guy could have gotten, you know, the new King George is what I'm saying. Didn't have to do that. No, and, he could have been upset have, about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, what's fascinating to me is that um, everybody seems to have their favorite performers in certain roles, and it seems to be based on how you came to the show. Like mm-hmm. I remember Jonathan saying um, he still preferred one of the people in the Nashville show to this original cast. And that was the Nashville show was his first viewing. And Dicer prefers the Hamilton he saw in Chicago, who is now in Broadway on Broadway, taking the role whenever COVID ends. Uh, And I prefer the guy we saw playing Hamilton uh, in New York. Uh, And I just think it's fascinating. Everybody's great. Um, But I was mostly blown away by Philippa Sue, who plays Eliza. Yeah. um, And David Diggs, who's just Mm -hmm. electric. He's Um, such a dynamo. He really is. And uh, they were the biggest revelations to me. What did you guys think? 
Yeah, um, I, I, I was to touch on to touch on the what we prefer when we see it first. There's definitely an inherent bias there. Um, I, uh, I don't, I don't know if there is a way to be objective about it, but I feel like objectively, our Hamilton that we saw first and the first one in Broadway is better than what Lin Manuel is doing at least circa 2015 when they shot or 2016 when they shot this. Um. I think there's a there's a possibility at this point that Lin Manuel Miranda had been doing this role for so long that it fits him like a glove, and mm. so there's not any of that that urge to like sell to everybody. I, like I can do this in my sleep almost, and he's not like he's not sleepwalking through it. Let's let's mm. be clear, he's doing a great job. It's just that when when I went to the when we went to that Broadway one, the guy playing. That Michael Kanoye, I think that's, I can't remember his I think last name. It starts name. with an L. It's an L or an I. It's like Lewolier or something. Yeah, something like, yeah. Um, that guy was so energetic mm-hmm. and, and, and so like, you know, it seemed like it was just like, this is the first time I'm doing this. I want to do this like this is the, like everybody's first time seeing this and I want to just belt it out. And I just remember the energy of that performance. And in mm-hmm. fact, he was so good. Uh, I I thought the Daniel Breaker guy who played Aaron Burr was was great, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 he and he is. But I saw that guy again at another Broadway, <laughs> another Broadway visit, and the guy playing Hamilton wasn't as good, and I felt like the energy had dropped off mm. from that performance. Uh, but uh, anyway, going to this uh, version, I had a hard time with some of the sound design on this um, on this particular uh, version of it. It sounds like they're having a hard time picking up everything in this. Like there it's it. I don't know what it is. Uh, I don't know what it is, but there seems to be this. It's either my hearing, which is possible, uh, or it's just that they're not emphasizing the words of things anymore. Like they want to emphasize all the music and everything else in the background. And that's so much louder than whatever you hear on stage when people are singing to me. Anyway, is that, is that, are you guys getting that at all? I see what you're saying. It, it, it seemed like it was a little bit lower. The, the relative music to, to, uh, vocal was a little bit lower than what we experienced on stage. I mean, sure. I'm too, I'm too deaf to know, and I'll just slide in right here. My compliment on the captions, because it, it gave me a whole, new respect for the show I bet. to be able to see everything I had missed uh, in the theater and make all the connections and the, the repetitions and those captions are a godsend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I, there were some things that I, that some gaps that had been filled pretty nicely by the captions on this uh, that uh, I was very thankful for. Uh, you know, I, I knew certain things that had happened, but I didn't know what the bridge to that was to the next couple of scenes and whatever. But yes, this is, this is definitely, uh, uh, this is definitely a, a gift that Lin-Manuel Miranda is sort of given. I mean, I know that he, you know, he, Disney probably paid through the nose and whatever. I know there's a monetary monetarily thing, but he could have waited. He could have waited until 2021. Oh, yeah. He could have gotten uh box office dollars out of that thing and then sold it to somebody. I mean, he, there's a lot. I mean, he, he's already made a ton of money on it too. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think this was sort of, I still, I still consider this a gift in a lot of ways. So, um, especially these days. Yeah, exactly. So, 
uh, it's really well worth watching. I, I, I highly enjoy it. And it's going to be one of those things that when, uh, when I have a chance, it'll be on in the background. I'll just have it on, you know? So it's great. Now there has been, I think it's worth noting at least that there has been, um, in this current climate, a little bit of criticism of the show for showing and glorifying founding fathers that were slave owners while glossing over the slavery issue, which I think even Lynn himself came out yesterday or today and said, any criticism of this show is valid. I tried my best to fit in as much as I could. uh, And some of it, um, you know, I had to cut for creative reasons and some of it, you know, you know, but all criticism is valid. I also, to that point, I, when I first heard that, I was like, oh, that's interesting. I don't remember them really talking anything about slavery. But then when I watched it with the captions, there's a whole thing where he basically tells Jefferson off and says, we know who did all the real work on your land, mm-hmm. you know, and he basically telling him, I know you own slaves and you don't do any of the, the work yourself. It's not super overt. And I'm not here to defend the show as myself, uh, but uh, I do, I do see a lot of the critics also saying it's a brilliant show and it's okay to love things that are complicated and murky. Uh, and as long as we have these discussions. So, yeah, yeah. Um, I, it, it's, I don't know where they would, I don't know where he would have fit some certain things in to, to, uh, and, and I think, I think Hamilton, I'm, and I haven't read the full thing on Hamilton. I don't think Hamilton was like as full on, abolitionist or anything i don't think he was a big abolitionist guy or anything like that um he may have had some some ideas but i don't think he ever pushed for anything so as 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 insightful as that line is incisive as that line is against uh, jefferson i don't think that's anything he would have been like really prepared to say back mm. in the back in that mm. day yeah. um uh yeah i agree uh, you just can't be everything you can't be everything. A lot of times he, this is about the founding of the country. Um, and, and yes, it probably should include some more things about slavery in it, but, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to be everything a lot of times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we love it. Uh, watch it at your first convenience, but, uh, based on the fact that Hamilton is out, we're going to discuss some other musicals that have turned into movies and, and some, uh, uh non-musical plays too, right? Right. And that, and non-musical plays. All right. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, I, even though we discussed it beforehand, I apparently still fuck that up. Um, <laughs> uh, and, and the, and right off the bat, the first one, 10 things I hate about you, which is based <laughs> on, just based on taming of the shrew. Uh, That's right. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, the, uh, 10 things I hate about you is a movie that just keeps getting better and better to me. Yeah. I don't know what it is. Like yeah. back when it came out in 1999, it was, you could write it off as some, you know, just, ah, it's another one of those teen comedies, you know, but it's got so many good moments in it. It's uh, Heath Ledger is so youthful. And I, I don't mean that to be silly because he was younger when he made this, but movies like this and Knight's Tale and Patriot, there's this youthful energy to his performance that is contagious. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, of course he becomes a man and starts taking these great dramatic roles, but I like going back to 10 things I hate about you to see him smile, man. Mm-hmm. And Joseph Gordon-Levitt, baby, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Yeah. So, <laughs> oh yeah. This so, is probably my favorite Joseph Gordon-Levitt performance, honestly. I mean, maybe brick 
you know, something like that. Uh, but uh, he, there's, there's sort of an artifice that creeps into his work later on that I don't think is here on this one. Yeah. 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 Um, but uh, the, you know, the, if you guys don't know the story of it, it's uh, um the there's two sisters. Julia Stiles plays the older sister, uh, uh, Kat Stratford, and uh, her her sister Bianca is played by Larissa Olenek, um Is um, is uh, wants to date. She wants to date, and Larry Miller is their dad and is a gynecologist and doesn't want them to because she he's he's seen too much. He's seen too much, man. And uh and uh you know she there's a point where she's been asked to prom and she's like it's just a dance, daddy, and and he's like and hell is just a sauna. <laughs> uh, Larry Miller is fucking fantastic. Yes, he, he is. is. Uh, but uh, she wants to date. And the, uh, and Larry Miller's like, well, you can't date unless your older sister starts dating. So there's this whole like thing where they, they there's uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt wants to find a way to get uh, Bianca to start dating and everything, but she is a cold, cold person. She doesn't doesn't look interested in dating wait, for some wait. reason. Bianca huh? is Bianca. Bianca's the little one, right? Isn't Sorry, yes, Cat okay. is the one that she is uh, that he's trying. So he's trying to get. He hatches a scheme to get someone to date Kat. Now, Julia Stiles is the most beautiful woman in the world. Okay? Let's just let's just face that. <laughs> let's, just, let's throw that out there. <laughs> oh, oh, we, we, should come to, we should come to terms with it. I've seen your tattoo. I know you believe that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, uh, it, it's, it is shown as more of her choice that she does not date. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there are, but it's, it's, it's actually really comical to see how many people they try out to, to, to ask her out on dates. And they're all like, no man, be like cat. She's awful. And, and like, there's a one guy who's actually screaming when they bring up cat's <laughs> name. Um, uh, and then, the, and then sort of, they fall on that last resort, which is Heath Ledger, who, uh, you know, he doesn't look like he cares about anything. He's got a lot of rumors about him in school and and everything. And uh, uh like he does killed. it for the money. Yeah, he does it for the money, which is a thing that we see in a lot of these. Like she's all that and all that. Yeah. Um. Mm-hmm. And uh. And uh. He. They try to get. They try to figure out what her interests are. They actually like he and uh and uh, Bianca like Joseph Gordon Levitt and. Bianca go into her room and like look around in her room looking for like things that you know uh they they would be uh that she would be interested in and so Heath Ledger is supposed to translate that into okay I'm going to be in I'm going to do the same thing have the same interests as her and be in the same places that she's at and so on and so forth and finally finally Heath Ledger's charm uh breaks through but there are so many there's a lot of fun in 10 things I hate about you that doesn't have anything to do about with the main romance at all. This is a, this is a great cast. Uh, it is, uh, it's just a fun movie all the way through. We don't get a chance to talk about it that much. I think that's the reason why I felt like we should talk about it more this time, because I think we've only mentioned in passing a couple of times, 10 things I hate about you is fan fucking fantastic. Do you mm-hmm, feel like mm-hmm. this is a, a very '90s movie, or do you feel like it's more of a turn of the century? Uh, it feels more to me like a '90s movie. It's, it's that music. 90s. It's yeah. that music. It's man. Save Ferris, right? <laughs> well, it's the yeah. uh, what? Save that, Ferris. That, is that band, band that's on the top of the roof at the end of the movie is. Uh, 
uh, who, who is that? Who's no, the Sam Ferris is the, the band that they, he goes to see, uh, at the bar to impress her. Yeah. yeah but in real life, movie. that's a band. They did like four songs in that movie and they sound nineties as fuck, even yeah. though they're yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, starts with an L come on, Jeremy. Is anybody Hold looking on, this are, you up? T- are you talking about the band at the end or the band at the bar? I band think they're the same band. The right? band at the end on the roof for sure. I don't know if they're the same band as the ones in the bar. No, uh, they, yeah, the letters, band letters to Cleo. We both said it at the same time. Yeah. Letters to Cleo yeah. is the band that has several. And they have yes, that, I want you to want me, yeah. and all that at the end. And there is oh, a band called Save Ferris that is here. But the Letters to Cleo does Cruel to Be Kind on this soundtrack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're the, that, that's why I think this movie is in the 90s. That's fun. If you have not seen 10 Things I Hate About You, I would highly, highly suggest watching it. Can I do my caveat here real quick? Go for it. Um, some people may be thinking, why are we starting off with 10 Things I Hate About You? Even though Chris said that it was a an adaptation of Taming of the Shrew. Uh, loose adaptation. So what we're looking at is is a list of plays uh, that have been made into into movies. Some include musicals. But there are a lot of musicals, all right? There are a lot of musicals that became movies in the 50s, 60s, and 70s and stuff like that that you probably don't even want to hear about. There's also a list of Shakespeare adaptations. There have been about like whatever number of sperm is in my left nut right now. That's how many Shakespeare adaptations. That's true. That's true. 35. Thirty five. You went with the most relatable analogy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> there are a lot of spermy sperm up in 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 the uh, in the, the anyway. Hairs yeah, on my head. You had a lot of other options here. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are a lot of Shakespeare adaptations, and if you really want us to go into the Sir David Thewlis version of Henry the Seventh like in detail that aired on the BBC once in 1981, we could probably do that, but we're not going to. So these are, they we're picking and choosing somewhat arbitrarily. Uh, there are many adaptations of the taming of the shrew. My favorite is 10 things I hate about you. And it's a fun movie. And like Chris said, we don't get to talk about it often. There was so that's a, my can. there was a uh, TV uh, movie, I think with Bruce Willis and Sybil Shepard playing off their moonlighting, uh, days uh, that was an adaptation of Taming of the Shrew as well. That came oh, out. Really? Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw it in high school. In fact, uh, wow. I think it was uh, it was either a straight up adaptation or it was like a modernized version of it or whatever. I don't remember, but they were playing up that relationship that they had on Moonlighting on it. But um, then we have Alfie, which I never saw the original Michael Caine version of this. Uh, there was a series of, uh, let's remake everything Michael Caine is known for back in the early two thousands. Jude law played him in 2004. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I saw that 2004 version. All I remember is that he's a guy who gets a lot of women and that's all I remember. And he falls in love with Sienna Miller, I think. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> well, in both in both the 1966 and 2004 versions, he also falls for Sienna Miller. It's oh, weird. really? It's weird. Crazy. It's so strange. Yeah, uh, Michael Caine and Jude Law. Mm-hmm. No, this is uh, it's it's almost like uh, I didn't watch. Did you guys ever see Arthur, the Dudley Moore 
uh, I think they did a couple. Yeah, of, and of they did, the and they did a remake w- remake with Russell Brand uh, later on. Yeah, <clears throat> very much like Playboy, like doesn't live by the rules, that kind of thing. About a boy is kind of like this until and until the end. Uh, I saw the uh, the Michael Caine version a long time ago, uh, but that's kind of what it was. It was uh, you know this this Playboy uh, that. Uh, you know, basically is only in it to get the, the chicks and stuff like that. He breaks the fourth wall. He talks to, I haven't seen the Jude law version. Does he do that in the, in that one? I where think like he, he, does. he talks right to the camera. I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and, and that kind of made it more relatable. I think that is the very, um, play like a side type of thing where like you talk to the audience, Jeremy, you probably know this from, your acting days where it's the stage whisper to the, the, to the audience, basically mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's technically called an aside, isn't it? Mm, yes. Yeah. So, so that ends up being breaking the, the fourth wall with the, the camera and all that. And then he finds his, his muse and his love and his Sienna Miller. I yeah. think actually, but it's, it's good. I'm going to show my, my ass right now. I think an aside doesn't have to mean to the audience, but it, means the characters talking and the other characters can't hear them so like when maybe talking to somebody else yeah so like when ham no when hamilton uh in the middle of that right hand or whatever that opening song one of the opening songs is and he goes oh yo am i talking too loud sometimes i get nervous and blah blah blah. like the other characters can't hear him in that moment that's is just that, for the oh, audience. he's talking to himself i see is, I yeah, is that so. more than soliloquy then is i mean less than soliloquy is there like Fuck. is there two two well, versions i, said I was uh, because, I said I was going to show my ass because uh, I've always known the speeches that none of the other characters could hear as soliloquies, uh, but they were they're usually speeches that the right uh, right right cut it all cut it all you're right I mean it could it's, still be an aside though because the side might be a smaller version of that that phenomenon of no uh, I'm looking at it I'm I I couldn't have got this more wrong aside. <laughs> Uh, is a dramatic device in which the character speaks to the audience. Uh, by convention, the audience is to realize the character's speech is unheard by the other characters on the stage, and a side is usually brief rather than a speech like a soliloquy or a monologue. So I see. Oh. Well, no, well, no, no. You know, I think you said that right, didn't you? Uh, I got close enough. Um, I was wrong in the beginning, but I, <laughs> I, I talked myself just, into being ish. I just think there's like, yeah, like I said, there's two different things here. The aside, which I did not know was a stage term at all, um, uh, sounded more like a quick thing. And soliloquies are like when Hamlet is, you know, you know, to be or not to be and all yes. that. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, but, um, but yeah, Alfie is based on a Bill Naughton uh, play. He, I think, he wrote uh, the screenplays to both the 1966 and the 2004 versions of the movie. Getting some so traction adapt- out of it. Adapted his own play both times. Hmm. You want to see who's going to get traction is Tina Fey because they made a musical out of Mean Girls, <laughs> and now she's going to make a movie based on the musical <laughs> uh, that was based on Mean Girls. Which That's is, great. yeah, very Mel Brooks of her uh, <laughs> yes. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No kidding. Um, then uh, we have, here's a movie, man, when I first watched Amadeus. When I first watched Amadeus, I thought, oh, this is going to be some stuffy ass, you know, uh, costume period thing. And uh, and it turns out like it's like super funny and entertaining. Amadeus is a fucking great movie. It's probably one of the best best pictures of the eighties. Um, like it, deserving would, of it. Yeah, absolutely. And it's uh, I I'd never seen the play, 
But the guy who played Amadeus was friends with uh, a bunch of people that I went to college with. So he took us all out to a bar when I was 19 and they didn't card me and got us all drunk, paid for it with his Amadeus money. And then he tried to seduce me later on that night. Wow. Yeah. I almost had sex with Amadeus. <laughs> <laughs> this was like a touring show. No, uh, no, he was uh, a local guy. It was at TPAC. Yeah, I was about to and, say, uh, this isn't Tom Hulse who was like... That would be a story, I think dude. you neglected the, like, the whole local Amadeus thing out of this whole thing. So I was like, his Amadeus money. Oh, okay, yeah, all right. So Tom Hulse, great. <laughs> no, this is a local local guy that was getting paid local... Uh, theater money, but uh, it was a big production. It was at Jackson Auditorium, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and uh, but I never, I had never actually went to see the the play itself. Um, uh, but the movie uh, is just one of the greatest things ever. I don't think it's too long. I think it's long, but uh, it doesn't feel long to me. It's 161 mm-hmm. minutes, um, which may be too much for most people, but man, I could stay in this universe forever. Yeah, yeah. Uh it's it's not yeah, it's definitely not a movie that you sit there and like wish it would end already and all that. It's just very entertaining. Like I said, I thought for sure like I felt the same way about uh like uh like it's, it's amazing how biased like when you see other movies uh that are like that or whatever, like how much bias comes into when it when it comes to like watching a movie like that. So I'd seen so many stuffy costume dramas sure. and everything so when it come around it comes around to amadeus which you know i had not seen i'm like oh man I, you know some costume dramas are good and everything but i don't know if i like it and it just turns out to be like just wonderful just just uh just a highly enjoyable movie um on to american buffalo which i have never seen uh david mamet uh wrote this Hoff, D- dustin hoffman is in it? Dustin Hoffman and uh, Dennis Franz. Franz uh, are in this in 1996. Uh, so it was a play. It, it looks like a very slice of life. I think I've seen this uh, in passing at some point because Dustin Hoffman has a very memorable haircut in this, a very mid 90s haircut. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he plays a dude. And I think he's the guy that goes into the shop all the time. There's a shop. Uh, that, uh, that is in the local scuzzy neighborhood and everything. And they're planning to rob another shop and, you know, it seemed fine. Uh, it was mm-hmm. not anything memorable. Yeah. The, the haircut was the most memorable. It looks like there's only three people in the movie. They're, they're, uh, planning a heist of some sort, I guess. Yeah. Is it yeah. one of those like waiting for Godot type things where they're just discussing the heist and they're, then they discuss life and, liberty and the pursuit of happiness during <laughs> There's it. a lot of dialogue <laughs> yeah um then we have it's the hard knock life <laughs> it's the hard knock life <laughs> annie um i think i've seen the, i've seen the original i have never seen the was it the jamie fox one uh, no, i haven't seen that either. that came out oh i don't know how many years ago now so we saw the the 82 john houston version mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. uh that's mm-hmm. the classic with one. carol burnett yes <clears throat> yeah and then there's there's a 1999 version uh directed by rob marshall uh that starred victor garber alicia morton audra, audra mcdonald and kathy bates 
Um, hmm. Uh, which I, I never remember saw. that at all. <clears throat> yeah, the one the one that I'm thinking of is in 2014. Uh, well, uh, no, that's the Jamie Foxx. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Will Gluck, and but yeah, there was another one you say that came out. Yeah, it looks like um, it's oh, a, it was made for it, television. Yeah, it was a season three, episode five of the Wonderful World of Disney. Mm. Um, and uh, so what they made a yeah, it's an hour and a half still. So they made the full movie. It looks like, but. This uh, this play is adorable. This mm-hmm. play is d- delightful. Daddy Warbucks, rags to riches story. Mm-hmm. Can't beat it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. Uh, it is it is uh, best known as a Jay Z song now, but it's uh, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's actually one. God damn, I hate Jay Z so much. <laughs> oh, it's it's one of those. So there's 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 two types of Jay Z verses. In this century, one is where he's 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 saying the same word over and over again, and it means nothing. It does it does nothing. Mm-hmm. The second one, but it's on, but it's on beat. The second mm-hmm. one is where it says maybe a little bit of something, but it's not on beat at all. Mm-hmm. And he's just he's just talking about able to speed up and slow down. It's not mm-hmm. on the fucking beat. Fucking beat. <laughs> Uh, well, you will have to, we'll have to discuss your deep seated hatred of, of Jay-Z, uh, at some point, because, uh, uh, I've heard this from other people. I'm surprised about it. Actually. Uh, that- I like, you know, what's weird is I like his songs. I actually like hard, Knock hard knock life, mm-hmm. but I hate his involvement. Oh, I see. So I see. if you would, if as, you would, as a rapper, you, you like, you as prefer a him as a, you prefer him as a, a producer. producer. Yeah, no, no, no. I he's prefer, not even a producer. I don't think I he has anything the, to do with the track. Hard Knock Life rap in that Austin Powers movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is that when he's with Mini Me in the prison? Oh yes. my God! There's that whole that there's that whole thing where like they they silence nearly everything he says, and then and then like and then all of a sudden you just hear splooge. <laughs> <laughs> I want to watch that right now. I know, I do too. Um, uh, Noah, this is a favorite of Jeremy's. Arsenic and Old Lace. Yeah, baby. I don't That's know if I this has say. been done numerous times. Frank Capper did the one back in the day. Just one. I don't think it's ever been made again. Uh, I did this play in college. I played the the cop walking the beat, who's the mm-hmm. playwright, the wannabe playwright, who keeps popping in and asking for Cary Grant's advice. Uh, and I did this accent that was like this, and it didn't really have an accent, but I talked <laughs> like this. Um, <clears throat> I've told this story before, but one of my f- my fondest memories of doing plays in college was this play when the leads, um, the guy playing the Cary Grant role and the two old ladies. Uh, skipped over three pages of the script on oh, accident and everybody backstage started panicking. And so I walked in, I'm not, I'm it's not my cue. I'm not supposed to be in the house. I'm not in this scene, but they sent me in and I was like, Oh, everybody. And I like walk across <laughs> over to the kitchen. And I was like, you skipped three pages. And he goes, we know. And I was like, well, have a nice night. And I walked back out and those three fucking worked it all back in. They found a way to wrap back around and get everything they'd missed and catch back up. And it oh, was wow. That's awesome. awesome to watch. This movie is fucking funny. Uh, if you have not seen it, um, I would give it two thumbs up 
and a smack on the ass. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Harry Grant is mostly just reacting, but he's fucking hysterical. Uh, the premise is this guy's about to get married and finds out his two aunts are murderers. <laughs> and they've been poisoning people and burying them in the basement. At the same time, his murderous older brother, who's like a Boris Karloff spoof, uh, has come home and needs to hide a body. Uh, and so there's this, it's a slamming door forest where there's a body in the window seat and Cary Grant sees it and then he goes to show somebody, but it's gone now because someone has moved it. <laughs> Um, and the whole time, his other brother, who is certifiable and thinks he's Teddy Roosevelt, keeps running up and down the stairs yelling, charge, <laughs> slamming the door. Uh, my mom showed this to me, thank God, um, because I don't know if there's any other point in my life where I would have been exposed to it. But it's probably in my top 20, uh, personally, uh, of all time. I always laugh when I watch this movie. I've seen it twice. There was one time I watched it. It was on Turner Classic, and I watched it. And then it, there were so many years had passed that I recorded it again on TCM, not knowing that I had seen it and watched it all the second time going, I haven't ever seen this. And then like, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember this. Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, you know, I feel like people don't realize how good of an actor Cary Grant was. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, because he was such like. He's remembered as like a fashion icon, like a a sex symbol and like, you know, the Hollywood leading man. He was a really good actor. He had a lot of, you know, broad comedies, farces like this versus the Hitchcock stuff versus Mm -hmm. like the guy was had it. Yeah, there were some times where he was muted, but it was when the character was called to do it. Uh, yeah, yeah. This is this is a good performance. Don't think I've ever seen Cary Grant be bad in anything that I've ever seen him in. I haven't mm. seen all of the movies he's ever been in, but I've seen a lot, and he's always terrific in them. Yeah. Um, Arsenic and Old Lace has been done a few other times. Um, in 1969, Bob Crane of Hogan's Heroes wow. and uh, Autofocus fame. <laughs> if you've ever wow. seen autofocus what um, is autofocus it's the story about bob crane that and uh, his sexual and proclivities. His, yes that's right okay where willem okay. dafoe gets him into some dirty sex yeah he loves sex <laughs> <laughs> but um but bob crane of hogan's heroes plays mortimer brewster in that version uh fred gwynn plays jonathan brewster and uh, Lillian Gish is in it as well. Sue Lyon from Lolita is in that movie. Um, and when then there's uh, 1969. There's also a version in 1962 that came out where Tony Randall plays Mortimer Brewster huh. and Boris Karloff plays Jonathan Brewster. Um, What's funny is, is okay, that the. They is that say, who you said was the Boris Karloff knockoff? Yes. Well, and I, I'm doing my own research here. Karloff played that role on the original stage okay um and in the movie that um the Cary grant movie they make an offhanded remark to how he's a boris karloff looking son of a gun or right. have you and i now realize that was an in joke to anyone oh, who knew wow. that he had done the role um, well, and, on and then obviously fred gwynn played that same role then because he was also a boris karloff looking uh <laughs> yep. person yep. um so yeah, interesting. Uh, the other adaptations, I've never seen those, but uh, that uh, original with Cary Grant is fantastic. Um, mm. Then we have Biloxi Blues. Uh, oh, Matthew Broderick. Yeah, Matthew Broderick, wow. I believe, was on the uh, was in the original play of. Bil- oh, interesting. Blues. Um, uh, I don't know how long that play has been going on, but he at least I know he played it on Broadway. 
at one point. I mean, it was 84 when it came out, and I think he went from that to Ferris Bueller. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, so uh, probably so. Yeah. And then the the movie was 86? I don't remember. I think it was 87. 88. Yeah, 88. Um, but, Mike uh, Nichols. Yep, Mike Nichols. And uh, Christopher Walken is in it. Uh, uh, Christopher Walken's really funny as a drill instructor of some sort. Yeah. Uh, I know that it's either drill sergeant or drill instructor. I know a lot of people get pissed off when we figure we can't discern the difference. But uh, uh, but uh, there's a there's that there's a moment where he's like, uh, everybody will answer in the affirmative by saying ho, and uh, and and. Uh, <laughs> And and Matthew Broderick is like, do you understand that, Private? Matthew Broderick was like, oh yes. I mean, <laughs> oh no. I mean, oh. <laughs> and uh, and he's got that whole monologue too, where he's coming off of the bus and he's like, he's like, oh my god, it's so hot out here. It's so it's like Africa hot out here, you know. He's <laughs> like Tarzan couldn't stand this kind of hot. Um, and uh, that's uh, Balenci Blues. I don't remember too much other than those couple of scenes though i, I remember it being pretty good it's um, it's the entire first half of full metal jacket it's it's all basic training mm-hmm. uh it's right before the end of the uh, world war ii i never saw and, it and uh and uh yeah so there's a the training base in in biloxi mississippi hey, my wife and i were talking about this she's from mississippi uh people from mississippi call it biloxi uh, but people outside of mississippi call it biloxi yeah uh, so uh, but I've always uh, known yeah. it as Biloxi, though. Maybe it's because yeah, I'm in the me south. too. Yeah, I think we've. Well, have you been down there? No. For the casinos? No. I went down there like right after high school, and that's that's where I learned it was called Biloxi. Oh. But uh, yeah, and no, this Amadeus is a, this went with fun you. Movie. <laughs> Amadeus went with me. That's right. That's quite a story about when he seduced you at the casino. That's in right. Biloxi. Everybody remember that Tom Hulse seduced. <laughs> <laughs> Do not. I was a fresh faced nineteen year old too. I want to say, want to say, just kidding, so that nobody gets the big fucking thing over it. Um, but yeah, this was a Neil Simon play. That's uh, uh, what uh, Biloxi Blues uh, started out as. Uh, Born Yesterday, which I believe has been made many times. Um, uh, and yeah, you 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 make a note here that it's basically My Fair Lady. Um, it really? Have you, you you remember this movie? I didn't ever see this. The oh, there's man. a there's a I think the most famous version of this is in 1950 as William Holden, um, uh, and it and it's uh it's it's the one that's the gold standard. But there was one that came out in '93 that John Goodman and Melanie Griffith. Uh, but I've, I haven't seen either of them. And Don Johnson, Don yeah, Johnson, Don Johnson sweeps uh, Melanie Griffith uh, out from under uh, John Goodman. John Goodman, it it. it it's not necessarily my fair lady. John Goodman is a big old uh, wealthy <laughs> businessman. What, what are you laughing at? I just, uh, I'm sorry. I got a mental picture. You said he sweeps her out from under John Goodman, and it sounds yeah. very difficult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you gotta pick, you gotta, you gotta pick him up. You gotta pick him up like he's a rug of some sort and sweep underneath and then let him just lie him gently back down to the floor. <laughs> and then, you know, and it's kind of, it's kind of tough too, uh, holding on to Melanie Griffith when Don Johnson's already married to her. So that's yep. right. Yep. How in the world right. is that going to happen? Yeah. And, uh, Edward Herman is in there playing as Edward, uh, Herman. Yeah. Discount uh, Fred Gwynn. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, and this this movie's fun. I just remember it was ev- the trailers were everywhere, all over TV. It was where you people these days have it good because there was always this wacky voiceover guy, even if it wasn't the epic voiceover guy. Mm-hmm. There was the wacky voiceover guy. Yeah, and then it's like she doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah, he's fed up. He's about he's to find teach- out. Yeah, <laughs> he's gonna teach her the rules. And then at the, the end of it, it's like born yesterday. <laughs> I'm trying to. F- I, I'm sure that person was famous in his own right. That guy because he wasn't <laughs> a wacky lot of voice guy. Yeah, because yeah. you had Don LaFontaine. You also had Miguel Ferrer, who was who was mo- mostly known as an actor, but he did a lot of those voiceover things mm-hmm. for trailers. And everything, uh, but I don't. I don't know who that who that guy was. Who was always <laughs> like, you know. <clears throat> um, then we have a Bronx Tale. This was Robert De Niro's uh, directorial debut, I believe. Yep. Um, yep. And it starred that guy who ended up was in the real Sopranos. Huh? Wasn't the guy that? Oh, I'm thinking of the wrong thing. Maybe. I thought he was um, on the Sopranos. Well, no, the 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 guy, uh, the guy uh, Lilo Brancato, um, uh, who was in Crimson Tide, uh, later in yes. real life, um, like robbed a store or something. He went to jail for like twenty years for some aggravated robbery or something like that. Hmm. Um, I can't remember what it was, but he's he's the kid in this movie. You have De Niro and you have Chas Palminteri, and uh. And I can't remember who's playing the father and who's playing the gangster. I'm assuming De Niro's the the gangster and Chas Palminteri's the father. I think that's how I remember this. Um, um this kid was on The Sopranos, by the way. He, he was. was. He was that um, Matt Bevilacqua kid that ends up trying to. He's trying to get into Tony's crew, and they ends up like he and his buddies end up killing somebody that they shouldn't to try and mm-hmm. get attention, and he ends up getting killed. Uh, um, anyway, uh, I've never seen, I, no, I've actually, I saw Bronx Tale when it came out, but I don't remember anything about it except being underwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I actually remember really liking it, but, um, I haven't seen it in forever, but I do remember there being a, um, I do remember a line in there where De Niro is telling him, you know, he's like, why do you follow the Yankees? Uh, why do you care so much about the Yankees? And he's like, oh, it's, uh, I grew up with them and everything. He's like, well, Mickey Mantle doesn't give a shit about you. So why should you mm. give a shit about Mickey Mantle? And uh, why should you give a fuck about Mickey Mantle? And then he starts getting into the gangster life. And it's like, it was 1963 and the Yankees were winning the pennant. And I didn't give a fuck or something like that. This <laughs> is the narration in that. Um, By the way, so Robert De Niro and Chaz Palminteri play contemporaries. He's the De Niro's, the working class family man, and Palminteri is the the gangster that Lilo Brancato Jr. falls in line with. Okay. Uh, and the original play that this is based on was written and performed by Chaz Palminteri. All right. And he was charged with murder. Yeah, yeah. Um, murder. He was not, uh, not like not like knocking over a liquor a liquor store. He was charged with murder. Yep. Uh, 2005 charged with second degree murder for his role in a burglary, uh, in the Bronx, uh, oh, fittingly ooh. enough in which an off duty police <laughs> it would be weird if it was Staten Island. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, confronted two burglars and was killed. Uh, the off duty police officer confronted two burglars and was killed in the shootout. 
Uh, Brancato was subsequently acquitted of murder, but was convicted of first degree attempted burglary and sentenced to 10 years in prison. And he got parole in 2013. But yeah, I remember him as Vossler in Crimson Tide. That was the, uh, that was the silver surfer thing. He was, yeah, he was the, well, no, that was another guy. Um, uh, God damn. What's, Sorry. Um, <laughs> He 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 plays the radio guy in Crimson Tide. Oh, the guy that has to fix the radio, and he does yeah, like yeah. Uh, like uh, Scotty on Star Trek. Yeah, he's, he we wants more warp speed. And he's like, yeah, yeah. yeah, I need you to be Scotty, and I need you to do this, and blah blah. There's blah. that great moment too, where he just hangs up on him because he <laughs> needs to keep working. <laughs> yeah, he's like XO Radio. And he's like he's like what, he's like what, what's the I need warp speed on that on that uh, radio, Vossler. And he's like he's like I'm working on it, sir. And he's like was like was like well, come on, man, I could have one by now and then and then he just hangs up he's like, Fuck <laughs> <you."> <laughs> I'm just, it'll be fixed when it's fixed um i remember bronx tale being good but i have not seen it in forever so it may be one of these movies that's just kind of average all right everybody it is time to talk about movie, movie. uh last time we talked i said that i watched a movie called wild style which was the uh uh movie that sort of uh, was it's considered the first hip-hop movie because it was it uh, covered uh rap and uh early bronx rap early 80s bronx rap and everything and um, among other art uh forms going on in new york city at the time uh there was another one that happened in london uh just a few years prior called babylon that came hmm. out and it is less about music and things, although it's got reggae in it as its main as its main uh, music and everything. It's a it's about racism, man. It's a oh, it's, yeah. it's a, a lot about racism. And mm. uh, and it's and this is what I talk about uh, when we were, we were talking about uh, we don't know whether certain things are were bad back in the day or whatever. We don't know, you know, like is did we consider certain things bad and everything some voices were quelled that's the reason why we didn't hear whether certain things were bad at the time this movie was i think banned in the US until like 2019 now i'm i'm assuming that the reason was not so much that oh it took us that long to not be racist <laughs> and to, to to release the movie and everything <laughs> i think it's more about the movie is is just sort of a uh, it's a relic it, it, like it's an old independent film mm. that came out and no the word there wasn't enough uh, support to you know be like hey remember that movie babylon we should see that whatever mm. it finally comes out in 2019 and it's on movie right now uh, and it's, and it's, uh, it's about, I think it might be, um, enlightening for Americans to see this because this is London, this is London racism. And they're using some of the same bad terms that Ooh. racists here in America use. Hmm. And, uh, and, uh, and, uh, a lot of these, uh, people, uh, shown in the movie, the, the white people shown in this movie are, are just very resentful of, of, of these Jamaicans being here and uh and everything and uh and it's and it goes to show like there it's heartbreaking to watch um it's heartbreaking to watch uh uh you know somebody have to endure a whole bunch of insults and want to do something about it but his, but their friends come and come around and say no no you can't do this you can't you can't do anything about this you can't do anything 
imagine about suppressing that kind of rage for so long and everything and having sure. to deal with it. There's a point where uh, they have one white friend who follows them around and who's part of, it seems to be part of this group. And, uh, and there's a point where, uh, he, he, uh, there's a guy who's, who's being called out from the street and he wants to run up there and, and fight the guy. And this white guy pushes him up against the wall and says, Hey man, you can't do this. You can't do this. You can't do this. And everything He's like, he's like, he's like, he's calling me all these names, man. I can't let him do this. I can't let him do this. And, uh, he's like, how many times have you been called that before? It's not, it's no big deal. It's no big deal. And it, and it's really just like, <laughs> you're, you're like, yeah, wow. how many wow. times has this guy been called yeah. his name and he hasn't wow. done anything about it? Um, so Babylon is a very interesting movie. I would highly recommend it. Um, mm. it's, it doesn't have like a traditional story. It follows one guy and it shows basically how racism can really start, start someone on a spiral. He loses his job due, due to it at the beginning of the movie. He's, and then like based on that, what happens? He loses this. He loses this. He loses it. Once you start taking things from people it really becomes a major problem. So uh, Babylon is on movie right now. Um, due to the way everything works on movie now, I'm not sure if this will be gone from the 30 day uh, service or if it'll be on the library afterward at when we're, when we're done with this one, but I would mm -hmm. seek that movie out if you can find it. And just like wild style, this is not a documentary uh, Correct. It's, it's a narrative fictional, <laughs> fictional thing, but right. based on you know, reality. Yes, absolutely. And, and yeah, it's, it's something that you probably may, may never have thought was a, an issue overseas, but mm -hmm. I have, I have been, uh, sort of learning this over the past, after this past year, actually, um, was the first time I thought, I thought, it, there was relative utopianism going over, over mm, on overseas. Mm. Uh, I was naive about that. Um, mm. And, uh, and something like this really puts it into stark uh, reality for you. Yeah. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. They have a library now. This is movie. They have the, the 30 days of movies where one new one is added every, every uh, day. Uh, but then a lot of them, if not all of them, get moved to this library and you can access all that stuff. There's some new stuff in the library that I hadn't even seen on there. Uh, I've already talked about my uh, affection for Yorgos Lanthimos. His first movie, Dogtooth, mm. is on there, mm. uh, which I hadn't seen and I haven't seen available on any platform. So I'm totally going to check that out. What I did do, uh, Mubi did this really cool thing the other day, uh, last Friday, the third, uh, where they gave access to a free screener of an exclusive uh, first offering uh, from a, a new movie by Werner Herzog. Mm. And it's called, uh, and this was free to everybody for a day. Uh, members of Mubi uh, can now access it and with another cool feature that I'll tell you in a second. It's called Family Romance LLC. Now, this is not a documentary. Werner Herzog is, is known for his documentarian style, his guerrilla style shooting and stuff like that. Um, this is a fictional world that is filmed like a documentary. Mm. Matter of fact, people who didn't get the prologue of him talking about it uh, beforehand thought it was a documentary. Mm. Uh, it's about it's in uh, Tokyo and it's about a business that rents out family members. 
to people. It's hmm. called Family Romance LLC. And basically, if you have somebody that uh, can't show up because they're sick to a wedding or something like that, but you don't want to be embarrassed, you can have this person uh, fill in for them. Uh, one woman hires uh, one of the, uh, the, 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 the cast members or whatever uh, to be the long lost father to her daughter to make her feel better. Um, one person, uh, is working on the train tracks in a hilarious scene is working on the train tracks and fucked up. And he hired this guy to take the blame for it. And huh. so he does. And he's like, thanks man. You know, I'm not going to lose my job. And he's like, okay, yeah, that's good. And he just pays him. And that's, that's the thing. Huh. <laughs> uh, it's actually kind of a, 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 it's a totally unique movie. Now I watched this movie for the first, uh, maybe quarter or so. And I was like, yeah, this is, this is good. It's very Herzog. He's got when you when you log on to the the member version of this, uh, Werner Herzog has a like maybe five six minute intro in his wonderful Werner Herzog oh, voice, yes. uh, where he explains the movie and everything, and uh, says this is a fictionalized movie, but I wanted to get honest takes and, and things like that, uh, and uh, so so you go through and and there is a narrative arc to this based on this beautiful wonderful dashing movie star. Japanese movie star called uh, Yuichi, Yuichi Ishii. Uh, and he is an absolute dynamite actor. Uh, he's stoic. Uh, he's a people person. He is, uh, he's, he's funny. He's engaging. It, it is, this is an unbelievable performance. Uh, and I would totally recommend this to everyone. I'm glad they use this as the sneak peek in the movie. Uh, because I think it will get people in there. Uh, you know Werner Herzog if you don't know him from Agira or uh, from you know any of his other the the Grizzly Man. Uh, you know him from The Mandalorian for God's sakes, and you mm-hmm. love him on that. You want to see uh, some of his other work. This is brand new, and it, it's amazing. The guy's in his eighties, late seventies, eighties. Yeah, somewhere around there. Uh, and he looks like he's been shot out of a cannon on this movie. He he. Loved the idea about this movie so much that he not only did the directing, he did the screenplay and he did the cinematography himself. Hmm. This oh, is wow. like, this is an old guy running around Tokyo without even a translator, just like, you know, gorilla shooting a, a, a fucking movie. This movie's awesome. Movie is awesome. Every, everything is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Movie.com slash cinema sins gets yo ass. 30 days free. Mm-hmm. Yo ass mm-hmm. will be watching. It'll be planted on the couch, mm-hmm. watching movie 30 days for free. A new one is added each day. You can get access to the library. It is absolutely awesome. Movie.com slash Simpsons 30 days free. And uh, yeah, it's uh, in case you can't tell, we're excited. Um, yes. Bug William Friedkin's uh, movie with Michael Shannon and Ashley Judd. Um, who it's a couple who get into a motel room and uh, one of them starts thinking that they feel uh, like a parasite of some sort crawling in their skin. And there's no way to prove it one way or the other, but both of them start feeling it after a while. And the movie really puts you in this whole place of, are they imagining this? Is there a real bug that they're having to deal with here? And of course, uh, to uh, they think they feel it crawling around in their skin, so they do like awful things to themselves trying to get the bug out. Um, 
and uh and so it is a it's a it's a movie about paranoia and uh and that effect when when somebody says something is happening you start feeling it too you probably run into this before barrett the psychological phenomenon where uh where somebody says they think they've they see something and then the other person starts thinking that same thing there was Mm -hmm. a whole house episode about this at one point on the plane I think it was on the plane. It might have been yeah. on. A, I can't. I can't remember if it was on a plane or not. But yeah, got the immortal line: uh, "Monkey see, monkey puke." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Which could not have happened, by the way. The psychosomatic stuff. And I can not, say would not have done that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, and then I think Carrie Connick Jr. shows up for some reason in this movie. Well, uh, he does that sometimes. He does that. He shows up in movies every once in a while. Uh, but, uh, I, 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 I only saw it the one time. And when I saw it, I, I, I don't know. I may need to see this again because it's one of those movies where I like, I, I tend to hate it when I don't know what's going on really. Like, I don't know if it's real or not. And, and, and back in when I watched this, that really bothered me. Probably not today. It would probably be great today. But when yeah, I first yeah. watched this, I was just like, I kind of hate the fact that I don't know if this bug is real or not, but that's the fucking point. <laughs> um, Did you see this, Jeremy? No. Okay. Yeah, I, I, now this is right up Barrett's alley. Bug. Uh, you? Yeah. No. Love, it sounds like it. Yeah. You yeah, will yeah. love the shit out of Bug. Um, yeah. I'm not sure about Jeremy, but it, but you know, this is a kind of movie that you've probably described before as something that you've liked in the past <laughs> so like i think you would like bug too even though i think there is some you oh, know no, hor- I, there's some horror elements to it i misunderstood i did see this movie i did okay. see this movie this is michael shannon and ashley Judd. michael shannon and ashley judd i yeah. did see this movie and it's creepy i remember mm-hmm. it being very creepy <clears throat> because uh, the bugs and the skin <laughs> because the bugs <laughs> and the skin and the whatnot um uh then we have carnage Ooh, uh, uh, this movie is pretty awesome. Okay, what? I've never seen this. Never seen this. Uh, so the play was God of Carnage. Okay, God um, of Carnage. That was uh, from Yasmin Reza, Reza, uh, and it was adapted by Roman Polanski, unfortunately. But Polanski, uh, I've I've kind of resigned myself to uh, liking his movies uh, as as odious as he is. Mm-hmm. This is a this is a black comedy. This is uh, Christoph Waltz and uh, Kate Winslet, a 2011 movie by the way. Mm-hmm. Christoph Waltz and Kate Winslet are this well-to-do New York couple, and John C. Riley and Jodie Foster are like slightly less well-off, and their kids get into a fight with each other, and so they go over to have tea to to hash it out. The parents, and then they start getting more and more uh, angry at each other. And it it goes into crazy, crazy territory. Really funny. Oh, it's 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 funny. funny Oh, that's funny as hell. Okay. Well, I will have to watch that shit then. Uh, Christoph Waltz is like a leader of like a big farmer or something like that, and keeps getting distracted and it's frustrating everybody. And yeah, it's it's very very interesting. Hmm. Um, the next one on the list is Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. Mm. Um, I saw this movie. You may know this theater, Barrett, because Mike took me to uh, like an old timey theater in Louisville to watch this movie. You remember uh, what it was? The Brown I, Theater? Yeah, whatever the one that has the it looks like old timey theaters. Uh, the, the Palace Theater uh, and everything. Um, 
uh, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof is excellent. The, uh, the, the, the Paul Newman is playing a gay character, but it, there, there's nothing about, they can't openly say that in, in mm. the movie. I think in the play, they do say that, but in the movie, they couldn't do that. Um, but yeah, he's got this beautiful wife and this wife is always like, let's get in the uh, room and start shagging. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> it's just not my beautiful wife. This is exactly it. This is exactly what Americans say to each other. Let's go in and shag. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and, and he's like, no, I can't blah, 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 whatever. But this movie's really, really good. I haven't seen it in forever. I haven't seen it since that time I was in Louisville and everything. So, uh, I don't remember everything about it, but I just remember it being really good. So, mm-hmm. 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 um, uh, Chicago, um, he had this, it coming. Yeah. It coming. This movie won best picture in 2002. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I loved it. I love Chicago. <laughs> I love I it. Guys, Jeremy hates it. You guys love, love it. it. I hate it. I actually watched uh, about three fourths of it again, like three weeks ago, because it was literally the best choice of all the options. And I didn't like it much more. I will give it more credit <clears throat> because <clears throat> I remembered almost all of it being shot like a stage with black all around and spotlights and whatnot. And there are, that that's not true. There are plenty of mm. interiors and sets and regular shot movie scenes. And then they do cut away from those to these performance elements. Uh, I just, you know, I don't, I think what it is is Catherine Zeta Jones and Renee Zellweger are not doing it for me in that movie. And I don't mm. mean attractive lies. I, I mean, vocals and uh, acting. Like uh, let Richard Gere and um, um, Queen Latifah kind of killing it. Yeah, Queen uh, Latifah yeah. in particular was killing it. Yeah, mm-hmm. and Richard Gere too. Yeah, I mean he's you wouldn't expect that he's got this sort of rhythm and timing, and especially like the 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 tap dance routine and all that stuff, and then the 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 marionette or the the puppet, the hand puppet thing. Um, Cause that's, isn't that the, uh, Oh yes. So oh, yes. So oh, yes. So oh, yes. She went for, yeah, yeah. for reach for the gun. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, uh, it's, it's a, fantastic. it's a looser performance you've seen than you've seen from Richard gear in a long time. Yeah. Um, uh, I, you get the sense that if you put him in the right thing, he would be able to show off a little bit more. He's been around forever. He's been in a lot of movies, but he, he's always that primal fear, Richard gear. Like he's yeah. always that, it seems like uh, in a lot of movies, except in the Jackal when he's got an Irish accent. Which oh is, yeah, that's right. The I Jackal. Did, it's Scottish. <laughs> I did Scottish instead of Irish. But his Irish accent is worse than mine, if you can believe that. And mine's Scottish, so. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's true. He's always buttoned up, even officer and a gentleman, pretty woman. He's always just kind of like the straight man. Even yeah. Doctor T and the women. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah? Um. But uh, but Chicago, I think is I like I, I I like most of the songs in there. I love the part where John C. Riley uh, sings the Mister Cellophane, and then right after mm. he's done with singing it, uh, Richard Gere is like, "Oh, I didn't even see you there." Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, it, it's uh, it's really entertaining. Now, whether it should have won Best Picture or not, that's another debate. Um, it went up against Gangs of New York, which a lot of, I think a lot of people were sort of hoping that would be Scorsese's like final, like finally breaking through and winning in best director and all that. But 
I don't know. Gangs uh, of New York it wasn't. It, nobody was responding to that as much. I don't think. I like then. Chicago better than Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York does not hold up for me at all. Besides Daniel Day Lewis's performance, ooh, more bad accents, up. more bad accents in that movie. Mm. Oh, Jesus, <laughs> yeah. Cameron, Cameron Diaz, I'm looking yeah. in your direction. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah oh God. Okay. Um, that year you had uh, the Lord of the Rings, the Two Towers, which. If you if, I, if you were twenty five year old me wanted the two towers to win, yeah. Uh, the pianist also came out, uh, and uh, the hours were the other uh, the other uh, best picture nominee. Chicago ended up winning over. Uh, I, you know, I don't know. Gangs of New York was a uh, was one that was a sentimental favorite, and I think Two Towers was a pop popular fa- favorite. Well, uh, they sure made up for it with Return of the King, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where they overdid it. Yeah. Um then we have Children of a Lesser God. Um I have not seen this. Uh I and and I know that uh I know that Barrett has and he's talked about it before. Yeah. Um, oh, this movie's awesome. I yeah. mean it's it's not it's not comfortable to watch all the time, but it's but it's awesome. I th- let me preface that by it has been a while, and I think this is at a women's or not a women's a uh, deaf and hard to hear college. So Marley Matlin's character, uh, who went on, she, Marley Matlin went on to win the uh, win the Oscar, right? Yeah, she won. Yeah, um, that uh, uh, she strikes up an affair with her professor, a former professor. Uh, so I don't think it's her being underage or anything like that. Uh, but uh, it's it's William Hurt, I believe, is her mm-hmm. uh, professor. Yeah, they uh, and, think, uh, uh, Hurt and uh, Matlin ended up getting married at one point. Is that like, right? In, in real life, yeah. There's a a bit of a sordid story behind that too, uh, if I recall, and um, does not paint him in a very good light. Interesting. Well, yeah. he is. He both of them are fantastic in this. He's a speech uh, therapist, um, and he tries to get her to talk. Uh, she is mostly if not completely deaf uh but she that's that's part of the the curriculum there is to to try to um there's a certain school of thought within that university or within that school where if you're only partially deaf or whatever you should talk more than you should use ASL and she's perfectly comfortable using ASL and it it turns into a big uh contentious thing in their relationship uh but it's super well acted very well done I'm sure the it's very play like, so I'm sure it translates very well to the stage. Uh, yeah, good stuff. Uh, closer is the next one. Um, another that was Mike, a play. Yeah, another mm-hmm. Mike Nichols. Yeah, it's got that it's got that crackling play dialogue in it. Yep. Um, and uh, I haven't seen it in forever, but Clive Owen, I love Clive Owen in this movie. How did this come taste? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> It's funny. He goes through this series of, of of horribly intrusive questions to Julia Roberts after she he finds out that she slept with uh, Dan with the Jude Law's character, and he's like, "Did he go down on you?" And she's like, "Yes." He's like, "Did you have an orgasm?" And she's like, "Yes." How many? You know, several. And then like, you know, did you suck his dick and all that stuff? And she's like, "Yes." And he's like, "How did his cum taste?" And she goes, "Like yours, only sweeter." <laughs> There, that's just. There's just some downright <laughs> brutal fucking dialogue in this movie. Uh, it, him and Jude Law have that thing towards the end where there's that 
that play of interplay of like, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. I'm okay with you. And then he just dropped <laughs> a fucking bomb on him <laughs> right after that. I mean, it's just, it's one of those type of movies. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I haven't seen it in forever and, and I, I need to watch it again. Amazing performances all around. Julia Roberts, maybe, I mean, she's not asked to do a whole lot in this movie, but she, she gives a very, very good performance. Clive Owen is just lights out in this Jude law. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what about this Jude law. This Jude law is, is pretty fucking good, man. Yeah. Like, uh, I watched, uh, I watched Vox Lux the other day mm-hmm. and like, he he physically gets into his characters just like in Road to Perdition. Like he's this, you know, New Yorker guy, you know, smokes a lot of cigarettes and like, yeah, he's got the stoop shoulders and all that. And like, he just physically embodies, he's such a good actor. Mm-hmm. And in this one, man, he's spectacular. Natalie Portman is spectacular in this. Uh, this is a great movie. Yeah. Very uh-huh. adult movie. Oh, yeah. if you couldn't if you couldn't tell by the whole line of questioning that I went through. Yep. Uh then we have The Crucible. Uh was it Norman Mailer who did The Crucible? Arthur Miller. Arthur Miller. Uh, yeah, I mean the play. What now? Arthur Miller did the play. Arthur Miller did the play. So Arthur mm-hmm. Miller did the play of The Crucible. I've seen the Daniel Day-Lewis uh, version of this. I abandoned my boy. Oh, wait, wrong thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what? Might as well be that because yeah. he does have that whole, like, you know, the, the famous passage is like, you know, you can't take my name. That's all that I have left, you know, yeah. and all that. And, uh, if you want to see Daniel Day Lewis nearly die on screen, watch the Crucible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is giving Leave it every- me my name. <laughs> <laughs> that, that guy is going full out on that one, man. Oh my god! I think god. we killed Daniel Day. Yeah, yeah. At the end of it, they were all like, "Oh my god! I hope he doesn't die during this take." <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the Crucible is uh, is is a is about the is it the Salem witch trials? Mm-hmm. Goody Proctor and, and, Ooh, goody. Uh, goody. and uh, <laughs> Daniel Day. Daniel Day's character is uh, uh, accused of uh, of cavorting with one of the the so-called witches in there the the adult he's like had he's uh cheated on his wife with winona Ryder in the yes uh, in the in the movie and he's married to joan allen i believe yes um it's and, easy uh, to get this confused with demi moore's scarlet letter though and yes I'm, uh, I'm impressed so far that you've gotten it all correct <laughs> <laughs> i am i am as well but uh uh and uh, i think paul schofield from quiz show is also in this movie yes he is He's the uh, judge, uh, Judge Danforth. Yes, um, and uh, his wife knows. His wife knows that he's been cheating on her, and that he's not much of a religious man. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I can't remember. There's a there's a series of you know um, when an owner writer to save her own ass starts pointing to other people in the town uh, <laughs> as I saw you, Goody uh, Putnam dancing with the devil. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes uh, i saw a goody nurse dancing with the devil <laughs> um th- there's a funny there's a funny moment in here where you where you can tell that uh that uh, daniel day's character does not is not a religious person at all and uh and it's when uh when they're when they're giving him 
something but do you know what the bible says about this and that it's almost akin to what they say in the king in kingpin when they're like well it's against it you know you know <laughs> the uh the the he's like he's like i know I, he goes i know i know you're not supposed to cheat on your wife i know that or whatever he's like he's just kind of like repeating something like he you know i know you're not supposed to do that i know the bible says don't do that but like he doesn't know anything about the bible he's just kind of <laughs> like he's kind of skating through and everything but this uh, this version of the Crucible is the only one I know. I remember it being really good. Oh, it's it's fantastic. Nicholas mm-hmm. Heitner did it, um, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, I mean, I've seen it uh, a few times. Winona Ryder, I think, tries a little bit of an English accent, not to the mm. not to the, uh, the 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 level of her Dracula. Mm-hmm. She's mm-hmm. the. Yeah. I mean, the I mean, she's thing. the. She's not the strongest performance in this film. No, it's about no, no. the nicest way to say it. Um, yeah. Joan Allen and, and Daniel Day Lewis are. Joan fantastic. Allen's great. Like, oh, yeah, super, man. like he got all the love because he's so over the top, but she's super subdued in that movie for mo- much of it. Um, mm-hmm. I love Joan Allen. Yeah, mm-hmm. I do too. Um, then we have Death of a Salesman. Um, I recently saw the uh, older version of this one. What was the. Did you really? The movie version? Yeah. Um, not the Jack Nicholson. Uh, which one did I see? Definitely Hoffman. Definitely no, Hoffman. I, I, no, it's not this one. I did not see this one. No, no, I did not see this one. Sorry. Um, there's three or four of them. There's a, there's several of these. Uh, one's got Dustin Hoffman in it. Uh, and then there's a 1966 version. Uh, that has a, maybe a couple of name actors. In it. And then there's a 1951 version. But uh, I don't know which one is considered the the one, the death of a salesman. Which is that? Did you? Know? I think it's a fifty-one uh, version. Uh, Laszlo Benedict uh, mm. did it. He's Benedict. It, that's right. Mm. Uh, it was nominated for a few uh, Golden Globes. I've actually never seen a movie version of this. I've seen the play many times, and I mm-hmm. love it. Matter of fact, I think if memory serves, uh, Brian Cranston took a run at it fairly mm. recently on Broadway and he would be fantastic as Willie Loman, you know, mm-hmm. uh, another Arthur Miller. Um, and, uh, but yeah, there's there been a few adaptations, but yeah, uh, I have not seen this. I get this confused a lot of times with the postman always rings twice for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, even though they're not the same, it's just the, the two names I've, I've probably heard back and forth over the years and it just gets mixed in with a whole bunch of other, uh, plays and stuff. Um, yeah, but- he. Uh, I, I always love the the fact that uh, uh, it, there's all these death of the salesman comparisons in Seinfeld to George Costanza's career, mm-hmm. where like anytime he fails, Jerry Jerry will look at him and be like, "Well, Biff," yeah. <laughs> or he'll even be like, "Biff, no, what happened?" <laughs> there's uh was it the Rat Pack? Did you ever see that Rat Pack movie? Oh yeah, HBO oh, Rat Pack. Yes. I never um, did see it. Uh, there's a there's a there's a part in there where they they uh, Marilyn Monroe. I can't remember if it's in the Rat Pack movie. It might be in that other one. It might be in the Joe DiMaggio. Uh, the the I can't remember if, which bi- biopic this was, but whoever's playing Marilyn Monroe is sleeping with somebody who's not Arthur Miller, and they were married at one point. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and she's like, uh, she's like, I'm just gotten done with her, with his latest, his latest play, death of a mailman. 
<laughs> made her seem really fucking stupid. Um, uh, that's why you think it's the postman. Probably so. Yeah. Uh, then we have doubt. Oh, doubt's really good. This is my jam. I have watched this movie because it recently came back on like HBO. I've seen it twice in the last month. I get sucked into this every time because the, there are four powerhouse performances here. Uh, Meryl Streep is the is the showiest one as the the head nun at this uh, Catholic school who trusts literally no one. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman, who is uh, surprisingly gentle and caring for several scenes, except for the scenes when he blows up and argues with Meryl Streep. Amy Adams playing very very naive, well meaning. Uh, looking for a mentor and not really thinking either one of these other two characters fits the bill. And then Viola Davis steals the whole goddamn movie. Mm-hmm. One scene where <clears throat> she basically says to the, the premise is that Meryl Streep thinks uh, the priest, Philip Seymour Hoffman is doing inappropriate stuff with some of the altar boys. Um, it's implied, maybe sexual. Uh, it's never overtly stated. Uh, the one thing they talk about is whether or not he gave, this boy, Donald Miller, the altar wine. And Donald Miller got in trouble for drinking altar wine. <clears throat> well, Viola Davis is Donald's mother, and so Meryl Streep brings her in to basically say, hey, I think this priest might be doing stuff, and we need to make sure we take care of it. And Viola Davis shuts her down and essentially says, his daddy beats him and doesn't like him. We had to bring him to this school so the kids at the public school wouldn't kill him. This is the first man who ever showed any attention or affection for my son. And it's only until June when he can be done and, you know, get the grades and go to this other school. And, and Meryl Streep is shocked. Like, she cannot believe that a mother wouldn't immediately go, yes, let's get this priest in trouble. But she's, uh, uh, Viola Davis is operating a couple levels deeper than Meryl Streep. I'm sorry, I'm talking a lot about this. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she knows there's more to it than just whether a priest is acting inappropriately. And if they out the priest, her son will be outed to her husband, who will beat the, the son again and maybe kill him. Um, all four of these performances are Oscar worthy. Uh, I think several of them were nominated. At least Meryl Streep was. Uh, Viola uh, Davis was for sure. Um, and uh, I don't remember, like, for some reason, the IMDb page. There we go. There it is. Nominated for five. Meryl Streep, Phyllis Seymour Hoffman, Amy. Yeah. All, all, all four of them. All four uh, got nominated for that. That's wow. great. Yeah, I keep coming back to it. Uh, the movie, I'll tell you up front, if you if you want to know, the movie never tells you uh, whether or not he did stuff that he shouldn't have. Um, there, there's a reason the movie's title is Doubt. Um, yep. And uh, it's directed by the original playwright. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, it's fantastic. If you haven't seen it, uh, check it out. It's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I mean, everybody, we've talked about Gone Baby Gone, obviously very different uh, circumstances, but you fall one way or another on that. Do you fall one way or another on this movie, Jeremy? Do you, do you um, feel like w- one thing happened or didn't? I do. I'm not 100% sure it's fair for me to say. Um. Because the movie does an expert job of not tipping either hand. There's like, she calls his former parish and he left that parish under mysterious circumstances. And she uses that as more evidence. 
Uh, and there's a scene where he says to her, you know, have you ever, have you ever messed up? Have you ever made a mistake? Have you ever sinned, sister? And she cries. Like, he breaks her. And she says, is that the last scene? It. I confessed it, father. No. Confessed- that, oh, no. no the last middle. scene is with her and Amy Adams. And it's yeah. fucking fantastic. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But, uh, yeah. Uh, two thumbs up and a wag of my tail. I don't know what's wrong with me today. I just keep... Mm. Uh, talking when i should stop <laughs> no no, no this is uh, great whenever there's whenever there's somebody who has complete uh command of the movie that we're talking about it, they should talk about it uh, as long as they have to um i haven't seen it in forever but uh what jeremy's saying is right is just there's the movie's title tells you everything you need to know about this and it gets to the point where and i don't know if this is spoiler territory but Philip Seymour Hoffman himself has doubts about mm. his own actions in this movie. Uh, that's how that's how like obscure everything is as far as what he's done or not done uh, in this. And you get the sense that there was maybe something that towed the line uh, mm. that he shouldn't have gotten to that point, but maybe not as bad as Meryl Streep's trying to make it out to be. Mm. And she, the whole point is she doesn't have any evidence. She doesn't have anything at all that says yeah, he, he did. He even says to her in the office in that, in that confrontation that later they yell. And then he, he says, have you never sinned? He says, well, what, what is it? What made, what is it that made you so sure that I, I'm, I'm a bad person? She said, the first week you were here, I was looking out this window down in the playground and you grabbed such and such boy's wrist and it seemed a little too hard. Mm-hmm. And he says, that's it. That's mm-hmm. it. And she's like, yes, that's it. She's positive. She's totally sure of herself almost all the way through. God, I love this. I want to watch mm-hmm. this movie right now. Yep. All right, everybody. It's time to talk about cereal box. Yeah. As in S E R I A L box. Yeah. Cereal not, box. not cereal that you eat. It's not like your your honey smacks or your apple jacks. <laughs> <laughs> you eat this cereal with your ears and your eyes. <laughs> yes. Indeed. Um uh they they have a service that uh you there's a variety of ways to experience it, but for for the most part you have uh, you have these stories like, for instance, they have a Jessica Jones uh, mm. sort of like novel on here that uh, you can experience in chapters slash episodes and you can you can experience a whole season of a Jessica Jones and they're mm. coming out with them uh, one every week. So right now they've got what, seven or eight chapters uh, available on here. And these are audio uh, adaptations of, uh, of the written word and they have sound effects and they have these great narrators. Yeah. You can actually toggle back and forth. If you want to read it, you can read it. If you want to listen to it, you can listen to it and you can toggle back and forth. You know, everybody, everybody's got time now. You get time on your hands. You can read or, or listen or, or both. That's a sneaky, uh, sneakily. One of the coolest things about this service, I think is that like my wife is a book fiend and she's always got a couple audiobooks going and a couple um ebooks going but All at the same she time can't, but she yes but she can't switch between them like if she's like if she's reading an ebook she can't click a button and suddenly have it turn into an audiobook yeah. uh which is one of the coolest things about this i decided uh, I'm such a hamilton fiend i decided to go with the 1776 um the world turned upside down Mm-hmm. And basically, there's 12 episodes, one for each month, 
uh, and it basically covers uh, how the founding fathers, you know, basically set America up. And it, it's got Hamilton voices in it. The Chris Jackson, who played George Washington, plays really? the voice of George Washington on the audio uh, presentation. Um, Nicholas Christopher plays the voice of John Adams. Um, and I was riveted immediately. Um, and uh, I can't recommend that enough, uh, that particular uh, series. And um, and it's not just, uh, you don't have to experience it just in chapters and stuff. They have uh, short stories, and they have a whole library of stuff from, like, Arthur C. Clarke. On yeah, here. that's cool. And uh, I, I uh, listened to The Wall of Darkness, which I went and... Uh, researched it afterwards and like it's being called uh it's it's been called some sort of math fiction uh Hmm. at uh at uh, at times Uh, i think he wrote it uh in 1949 it's just compelling because there are it's about this guy who who sees this wall in the distance of this land that he that he lives in and everybody in this in this land uh uh they don't think about the wall. They just live their lives and everything. But he's like, what's the deal with this wall? I need to know what, <laughs> I need to know what this wall does. Yeah, exactly. What he's is like, the deal with this wall? Right. Right. And there is a point where, you know, the narrator even says, what is the deal? No. Um, but, uh, but yeah, he, he wants to know what it's all about. And uh, he has a buddy who also is very curious about what the wall is. And, uh, and, uh, so the, this whole story is driving towards what is this? What does this, what, what's the function of it? Will somebody get over it and all of that? And that's the, the, the story and it's, uh, really compelling. So you can experience whole short stories this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've even got classics on here too. It's like Dracula is on here, Frankenstein, the, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of like different choices. Yeah. It's badass. Serialbox.com slash syncast or you can download the mobile app it's all it's available on all the mobile devices mobile devices mobile download it and if you if you so so what they do every first episode uh of of a series is free right they give you they they give you a little taste they give you like a an amuse bouche and, (laughs) and they and they get you they get you hooked right and if you go uh, to serialbox.com slash syncast, you get 40% off select titles or use the redeeming code syncast. You know what it is. You you, you listen to the show. It's syncast. Mm-hmm. Go to that and, mm-hmm. you, and you get, it's almost half off of uh, select titles. So so do that. <laughs> so do it. Do it. Uh, Driving Miss Daisy, I did not know was a play. Mm. Uh, this was Best Picture in 1989. It shouldn't have been. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. You think when Harry Met Sally was a bad pick for us <laughs> for the 1989 episode. That's Driving Miss Daisy, God damn it. Yeah, you had, you had Do the Right Thing right there. You had it right there. <laughs> it's telling you what to do. Yeah, exactly. Um, I remember this, though, when I was 12, and I enjoyed this when I was a 12-year-old boy. Uh, Morgan Freeman, uh, I, this was not my first experience with Morgan Freeman. I had seen Lean on Me the previous year, uh, but it was one of the first like uh, getting acquainted with Morgan Freeman movies. And uh, he plays a driver uh, for Jessica Tandy. Uh, and, uh, Jessica Tandy is just 
I mean, it's just, it's one of those very saccharine, sweet, uh, race relations movies. Um, uh, you know, um, and it's, I don't know. I haven't seen it in forever now. It's been good 30 years since I've seen it. The 80s version of Green Book. Yeah, it really kind of is. Uh, and, uh, and they just keep awarding this, this kind of thing. Like, see, look, can't we just do, can't we just say things without being, uh, having a little bit of, can we, can we just say some things without there being violence in it or, Mm. you know, you know, isn't this nice that they get to get along together? That's what we all want. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a bunch of bullshit in the end. Um, and uh especially I mean, when yeah. she gets dementia that's some bullshit yeah exactly uh but what's uh, crazy is uh this movie they talk a lot about the piggly wiggly she wants him to drive her down to the piggly wiggly mm-hmm. uh which is a silly sounding name for a grocery store and and in my idiot mind i was like well that's an old timey store then i moved to fucking nashville in yep. east nashville and there's a piggly wiggly there and for like oh, six yeah, months every time i drove by the piggly wiggly i would just giggle because i yeah. thought i thought like they died out 30 years ago. Anyway, so Piggly Wiggly, Pig, still around. Piggly Wiggly Giggly. <laughs> yeah, no, I used to go to the Piggly Wiggly. My wife used to work at a Piggly Wiggly when she was in her, her teens. There mm-hmm. you go. Uh, fences. Um, mm. Did Denzel Washington write this? Uh, was, not the play. He directed he, the movie. He directed the movie, I know. It was uh, August Wilson. August Wilson uh, wrote Fences. Um, this is just powerhouse performances all across the board. Viola Davis won the Oscar for this. Well-deserved. If you haven't seen Vince's and as good as she is in the one scene of doubt, just imagine that times five. (laughs) I still need to see this. It's, it's on my list of shame for sure. Um, Denzel Washington is a hard ass father, man. And, uh, and, uh, his son played by, uh, and I, I don't know if I'll get this name right. I think it's Jovan Adepo. Um, he's in a lot of stuff. He's in overlord. He's in the leftovers. He's in, uh, huh. he's in a lot of stuff. Um, uh, but, uh, he plays his son and, uh, it's just Denzel Washington is just a hard ass. He's just, a he's just unimpressed, no sense of humor, um, uh, and, uh, and, you know, he's, he's his usual good self in this, but, uh, and he, he just, he's just really hard on his kid all the way through it. Um, and, uh, he, and there's, there's a sense that he has, he has cheated on his wife and his wife has been keeping it in this whole time. Like she knows, she knows that it's happened. Um, and uh, it's it's leading this all the stuff him being hard on the kid and like uh, all these different little troubles that are coming up are building up to a big coming to a head by the by the uh, end of this thing. Um, there's 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 nothing complex about uh, fences as far as where it, it just stays in one place the entire mm. thing it's in a backyard and inside this inside this house uh, the whole time uh and uh uh it's it's just uh it's just a if it's a movie that you want to see for performances it's powerhouse all the way through um is this uh did denzel direct another he directed a few yeah movies, he did he? um he did that antoine fisher movie i believe that oh was, yeah 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 that was his first his first uh his directorial debut, debut. he also did uh 
he did what was that movie called um i'm gonna look it up real quick um the great debaters was the other one uh, uh, yeah, yeah yeah um one everybody called the master debaters yes yeah. <laughs> um but uh, i would highly recommend fences just to watch great performances i don't no, like if it's something that's like the greatest of movies necessarily, mm. but performances and everything, it'll draw you in and you'll, you will love it is all I can. Yep. I would, I would, I would recommend it. Um, then we have a few good men. What? what? <laughs> we've never, ever talked about this. We have never talked it's about it. It's been a, few a minute. Men. It's been a minute yeah. since we've talked about you. <laughs> They added some things, I think, to the movie that were not in the play, but I can't mm-hmm. remember what they did. Anyway, go ahead. I forget what it was, too. I actually – did I tell you guys I saw this play? I think you mentioned it at one point. Uh, yeah, it cool. was it was fucking weird. After I'd seen the movie about – at that point, maybe a dozen, 20 times or so, uh, I went to see the play. And the play was very good. Uh, Dawson, in particular, was very, very good. The uh, Kathy was all right. Uh, the uh, Jessup was fantastic. But man, just stop performing this on stage. <laughs> you've, got, you've got a definitive version. There will never be a bet. Well, the, the one thing that I, I don't know if Demi Moore is a good actress. I don't know because I think she's got it in her. We'll talk about about last night later on. Uh, down the the thing and she's really good in that she's really good in some 80 stuff but she, man she's the worst part about this movie and i hate saying that about the only like female character really but she, she she's just not good she's aunt jenny not, not good. aunt jenny's in there uh, well jenny. she gets aunt jenny in there <laughs> everything else about this movie is the the highest level of the high rob reiner aaron sorkin who wrote the play Mm-hmm. Uh, all the performances. This may be well. I guess Rain Man had come out, but uh, it may be one of the biggest ranges acting wise of Tom Cruise's uh, career at this point. Um, and it's, oh, it's it's just glorious. I like everything. Then you know the the movie is known for the you can't handle the truth, but I love the lead up to that more than the actual line i agree mm-hmm. especially when cruz is like mocking him like i said this and you said blah, 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 blah. should i get the transcript and like, read mm-hmm. back to you yeah <laughs> and poking him in the face and then <laughs> that whole thing where like and it was it what's the line where he says and then you turn them loose or something like that you cut them loose you cut them loose and kevin mm-hmm. bacon is also yelling at the judge during mm-hmm. the scene because tom cruise is out of fucking line Oh, and yeah. he's focused though. He's focused. <laughs> he's got Jack yelling at him. He's got the gavel pounding and he's just like, and you ordered it and you cut them loose. Colonel Jessup, did you? And he's got people. And Kevin Bacon is yelling at it. And it's, it's wide shot from Jack Nicholson's perspective this whole time. There's so much stuff going on and it's just this whole thing that just kind of, it's, it's like when you're at a bar and you know, a fight's about to happen. You, <laughs> you're standing back. You're like, I don't want to be a part of this, but I do want to watch what happens. And, 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 and so like it, it, you know, it has that shot and it just builds up that tension to the whole point 
where he does say, you know, uh, you know, you want answers, you know, and he's like, I want the truth and all that. That's the famous scene, but the lead up, if it didn't have that lead up, it wouldn't be nearly as good. You're right. Yep. Because yep. there is, there is a pause there. And when it went bad, it cut him loose. Did you, you, you did this and you did this. And, it, and then he, he punctuates it. Did you order the code red? Then stop. Judge, you don't have to answer that question. I'll answer the question. <laughs> then we start ramping up again. You want answers? And then he starts literally physically advancing on him. You mm-hmm. want answers? I think I'm entitled to him. You want answers? I get him. Well, and and it's not only just the line itself, and I'm not saying this in a funny way, but it's it's getting to the truth of the entire matter of the entire the, getting to the crux of this entire thing. Like we can sit here and and talk about the evidence uh, that uh, one way or the other, we know that Dawson and Downey did this shit. There's no, that there's, there's no doubt that they did it. They're mm-hmm. the ones responsible for killing. But the, the fact is when he gets to that whole point about, uh, you know, Je- you know, <laughs> Jessup would have, he ha- he's the one that's going to nobody follow. No, nobody was not going to follow an order. Like he's, 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 everybody's scared of this guy. So why would mm-hmm. they ever like not go Would they, they would go up against an order like that. That is the g- true genius of that whole thing to me. It's something yeah. so simple. Um, th- that leads to being the truth of this whole movie. Like, yeah, you can get a lot of evidence here and there that like, you know, this and that happened. But the, the fact is the, the only truth that you were going to get to was the fact that everybody is scared of this fucking guy and they would never go against him. So there's, you know, of course they were ordered to do what they did. Of course mm-hmm. they were. Um, mm-hmm. And it's something that would get lost, I think, in a lot of uh, other legal courtroom type. Well, that's stuff. yeah. And that's the logical fallacy that he finally gets him in. And that's the only time Jessup breaks mm-hmm. is where, why the two, why the two orders, you know, why the transfer, if you were, if you told everybody that he wasn't supposed to be touched and that's where he starts getting nervous. That's where you mm-hmm. see his eyes shift around and you're like, you know, that's exactly, that's where Jeremy was saying, you know, I can have you, you just you, 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 a few minutes ago, you said everything in danger. You said grave danger. And yeah. is there any other kind? I can have <laughs> it. <right back. laughs> yeah. I know that, what I That's said. where he breaks them because that's the only route he can take because, you know, the, he's got the doctor saying that they had uh, a chemical on the rag. He's got the motive uh, from the fence line shooting and everything. And he even says, Kathy even says like, we're going to lose because all we have is the testimony of two Marines accused of murder. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this yeah. is it. The only way I can get it is to get Jessup to admit it. And mm-hmm. even then, I mean, there's, there's a little bit of like tomfoolery of like arrest this man right now uh, because he admitted order the co red, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it probably wouldn't yeah. go down like that, right. but it's still a perfect movie. Um, Frankie and Johnny, is that the Al Pacino, Michelle Pfeiffer movie? It is it indeed. Is. I never, they fuck. They fuck, huh? They fuck. I've never seen this movie. <laughs> have you have you seen this? I only watched this movie because they fuck. Well, mm-hmm. do you remember this scene though? It's a it's no. a very weird. I only weird saw it once. Scene. So he gets out. Uh, Pacino gets out of prison, and he becomes a short order cook. And he was in prison so long that he he hires prostitutes 
to like sleep with him, but like sleep fully clothed, like cuddle with him. And like his whole thing is that he doesn't express emotion and stuff like that. And when he finally has sex with Michelle Pfeiffer, he, he, he doesn't like verbally express stuff. And so she, when he's ready to climax, she's like, I want you to scream. And the camera pans down and Al Pacino looks up and he goes, (laughs) that's something that the audience needs a visual aid for because, (laughs) because Barrett in a very Kubrickian way just had an orgasm. The, uh, the, like if you saw that, if you saw Jack Nicholson in the shining where he's like beating on the door and the freezer or whatever, that's what Barrett was doing. there. <laughs> it's such a weird scene. I've got to oh, see it just goodness. for this now. Yeah, no shit. I'm going to laugh my ass off while I'm masturbating. But like, uh, <laughs> uh, Gary so, Marshall did that too. Yeah, me. Gary Marshall. Did you? Uh, so, so is this good? Uh, I think it's fine. It's it's you know it's what I guess right pre scent of a woman Pacino. So he's right in the middle of that, like, when was Carlito's way? Maybe Carlito's 93. Way. 93. So it was right in that that era where you either got hoo or you get, like, he's not going back to Michael Corleone. Like, he's already crossed the, the threshold into Pacino territory where he's mm-hmm. going to have screaming orgasms and stuff yeah. like that. Where does he fuck? Everywhere! <laughs> He's he's already down that road, but uh, it, this is actually a fairly muted performance for him. It's good. Speaking of Pacino, Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, another David Mamet adaptation mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that uh, James Foley did. It's very play like, though. It's it, it's not it's there's not much to there's not many locations other than the uh, the uh, the real estate office that they work at. And everything. There's the bar, and there's a there's a moment where Jack Lemon visits somebody at their house. But that's about it, as far as locations are concerned. Uh, it's about a bunch of salesmen uh, trying to sell uh, to people who I think the company realizes they can't possibly sell to. This is the most frustrating thing about this story, and you know that there's probably some kernel of truth to this, right? Mm-hmm. That that they've got these leads and they know they're worthless, but they spent so much money on them that they want people to try to continue selling to them. Um, even though there's no way that they know that there's no way they can sell land to these people there. They know that there's no way. And I don't know if it's because they're trying to get younger or if they're trying to fire people to make more money. I don't know what it is. Uh, we, I don't think we ever really are no. led into that whole reasoning for that that's that's a good question because has blake ever come into the office to do his thing like are they getting to their final straw where they're like we're going to literally fire you people if you if you can't come through it just like, feels is this the like, last straw it just feels like they're looking for a way to 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 start brand new or something because they have williamson is fine and roma is fine right like they're they've got their core yeah, but they want to lose Shelley, and they want to well, lose. Well, and even Moss, I think, is is probably uh, safe. But he, but they're, I mean, he even he, but he even he is like, you know, this is they're they're getting ready to, you know, it looks like they're getting ready to axe everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, but yeah, I, I 
and I, and and there's so many questions I have about the process here because even when Levine thinks that he sold all this land at the end and he sold it to people that clearly can't afford it. Um, uh, you know, there, there's this thought that I'm like, well, didn't, if you've, if you heard the whole Alec Baldwin speech during this whole thing, it's basically like first place and second place. And then the rest of you are fired. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, and I don't even, I don't even know if Levine's, uh, uh, even even his sales would have gotten him to second place on that board um uh but uh that's the that's the biggest question i have about this whole setup is that it seems like they're 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 sort of in a sunk cost fallacy right they bought mm. they bought these leads they want to find a way somehow to sell land to these people at every cost even somebody's job uh, if they can't get it and they see Roma and Roma's so suave and seduces people into buying land and everything. They're like, why can't everybody be like Roma? And, um, and we don't know why Roma is able to sell to some of these, some of these people, but he's getting the new leads. Uh, like, uh, does he get it? Does he get the new leads right at the beginning or is he still selling old leads by the end of it? Mm. I think he just closed one, right? And that's why he went out to the uh, the the restaurant and he meets Jonathan Price, right? Yeah, I know. Well, the Jonathan Price one seems like that's completely cold. That's a cold. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought he was he was done with uh, with one of his things. So maybe that's the thing. Like maybe the the idea is that he doesn't use those leads anymore. He just finds a way to seduce people into you know, buying land that aren't part of those cards that they're, they keep getting and everything. Uh, mm. It's something very fascinating. I'd love to know the background too on all this as a movie, Glengarry Glen Ross. I've seen it a hundred times. I, I, I would, I would, I would wager to say that I've probably seen it a hundred times. <laughs> Seriously. Is this one of the <clears throat> most watched movies that you've One of my met? most watched movies ever. Clearly. I used to have it on VHS. I used to watch this thing like, especially like those, those, just those down times where you just like, all right, I just need to watch a movie where I'd always pop that in. And it was always like the, you know, the best. Um, and that's why I know that whole Al Pacino speech at the end, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and everything. But, uh, but this is, this is the, this was like my first experience with a lot of these actors, like, uh, Jack Lemon, I may have seen maybe a couple of things in. He's a legendary actor at this point in, in, in 1992. Um, and I don't think I saw it in 92. I saw it like a couple years after that. But uh, that was really my first real experience with Jack Lemon. I love mm. Jack Lemon in this. Uh, Kevin Spacey's great in it. Uh, uh, Ed Harris. Uh, Ed Harris. I had seen Ed Harris maybe a couple of times. This was my first real experience with Ed Harris. I had seen Al Pacino a lot, obviously, but um, uh, first experience with Alan Arkin. Um, oh yeah, and uh, and Jonathan Price. Um, mm. uh, so like, uh, and then Alec Baldwin, obviously, I knew, but uh, but uh, this is another one of those just powerhouse powerhouse performances, chewing on dialogue that's just you know it's just so rich and you know and like you can you can just feel the the anger. Uh, with everybody in this because they know they're in a shit deal with this company. Um, what is it? What are you going to do about it? 
asshole. Yeah, there's that <laughs> that pause that's so brilliant. Uh, you know, it's right after Williamson comes out and and uh, and and thinks he's helping by saying, telling Jonathan Price, you know, your your check went to the bank. You don't need yeah. to worry about this. And and meanwhile, Pacino's been Richard Roma sitting there trying to tell him, no, the bank, the check hasn't gone to the bank. It's not cashed yet. You don't need to worry about this. We give me some time, and I can I can uh, we can. We can cut out the deal when you want to, but let me try a one last ditch effort to get you back on the hook on this. And um, Jonathan Price, uh, I believe they, there's uh, sort of a there's a claim in this that he's playing a gay character in this. Uh, he's married to he's married to somebody, but like, hmm. um, but uh, there's there's a lot of sort of hints that. Um, that he's he's opened up to Roma in a way that is that uh, exposes him, quote unquote, uh, as some you know he's he's admitted to some things that are shameful uh, or whatever to him. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> right after Williamson tells him, you know, I, I took that check to the bank and everything, and he's like, and, and Jonathan Price is like, oh, you, you cash the check, you cash the check. It's like, it's like, oh, not to my knowledge, no. Um, and uh, he's like, he's like, oh my, I don't know, just don't, 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 don't call me, don't call me, all right. And he walks out, and then yeah, there's that period. He's like, <laughs> they're they're alone in the office, and he's like, you stupid fucking, you know, cunt. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, is what do you, so you just cost me, uh, you just cost me $35,000 and a Cadillac. What are you going to do? About it? What are you going to do about it? Asshole. <laughs> I did, uh, I did look up while you were, uh, talking and all of Baldwin's character is just for the film. <clears throat> yeah. So that's yeah, the yeah. major difference. And what's crazy is that. And I don't, I'm not talking about you who's seen this a hundred times, but I'm talking about the average Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross fan. What they cite, they go right to that Alec Baldwin scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, but on Wikipedia, it makes it sound like it was a favor, like, because Baldwin was going to play Roma in the film. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. And then Pacino came in back channels and said, I'm willing to do it still. And so they had quote unquote contract negotiation issues with Baldwin. And he left for the project. They cast Al Pacino. Baldwin got mad. And as like a favor, they're like, we're going to write this whole scene just for you. And they wrote, made arguably the best scene in the whole movie. Just for <laughs> And then he came in. You know, he had extra juice in the tank. Too oh, yeah, man. Oh, yeah. When he came like, I'm going to Al Pacino, Pacino. Bitches. He was like, I, my character is going to say, fuck you to the Roma character. <laughs> there was, um, it was either in the commentary on the movie or there was something that I read that uh there was some animosity between Baldwin and the rest of the veteran actors that were in there because remember Baldwin was like hot shit young actor at that point yeah um he was fresh off of hunt hunt for october and all that and uh and uh yeah there was like some genuine dislike so like that was something that they were able to kind of play up uh, during that scene, like everybody's just kind of like, "Who's this asshole coming in here?" What's, your name? What's my name? Fuck you. That's my name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> See this watch? This watch costs more than your car. Um, yeah, that's uh, Glenn Gary Glenn Ross is fucking phenomenal. It's uh, it's, uh, it's there's a reason why it's quoted all the time. Yeah, uh, it's fucking phenomenal. Uh, watch it if you haven't. 
So we're going to end this on the G's and we'll get on into the H's later. Um, and, uh, through the rest of the list, maybe who knows we may not we can get start with Hamilton, the entire, you know, uh, inspiration for this, even though we talked about it already. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, keep going to uh syncast presented by cinema sins on Facebook. We're also on cinema sins, Twitter, uh, we're on music video since Twitter, SoundCloud. We're also on Discord. And if you want to get on Discord, you can either go to our Reddit page and find the link on the right side of the page, or you can private message me on Facebook, and I will give you a link there. Uh, but that will do it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit, and be sure to visit cinemasins.com. Oh, yeah. When, I, know. I, when know. I hear you guys' voices, I'm like, oh my God. Mm-hmm. Why do I have like- this boner? <laughs> <laughs> I think I had a typical sleep two nights ago and then got breakfast and everything took a nap after that. And then, and then like went and did some work and then ate something, took another nap. Like I was just, would just be like, ah, I'm just, God, I just can't, I can't get any kind of like, you know, sort of like momentum going energy, energetic momentum going on. Mm. So mm. it's a, and it's a bad cycle. Well, I mean, I think even, even for, for you, who's used to, to staying in quite a bit, this, what are we going on? Our fifth month yeah, or it's four five and a half month of, uh, of quarantine. It's going to wear you down at some point. Yeah. Uh, yep. I mean, just like, like you think, like, especially if you watch a movie and you're just like, oh yeah, everything's normal. And then you step outside and you're like, oh, I want to go to this restaurant. Oh mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, this morning, I slept pretty good last night in like a week. I mean, it's been a week or more since we both had a good night's sleep just because of, I think, just general stress and shit, anxiety. Mm. Of course, for me, I have like, so first world problems. We bought a three foot tall, uh, heavy wooden gate to keep the kittens locked into certain areas of the house. That lasted 10 days. And. <laughs> They can now jump it. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> I have on order a six-foot-tall, heavy wooden room divider that will do the trick. Like but, the, but, the, the accordion things? Yes, but it's really heavy. But like the first time one of them jumped over, he ran all the way down the hall. This is upstairs. Through the slats in the rail and on top of the bookcase that if you're standing downstairs in the library is like 12 feet high. And Jesus. we panicked. We we're like, how the fuck are we even going to get him down? <laughs> um, so the last two, three days have just been us trying to be really creative on how, which cats we shut into a certain room and for how long, because there's no keeping those little ones from going where they want at this point. And so now I'm having nightmares about the cats getting out and that's fun. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but yeah. I'm saying, I like, I'll wake, I woke up two nights ago, woke up sweating. And the dream had basically been one of the kittens got out. We couldn't find him. Mm. I realize that's small fries in the terms of like some people are worried about their lives, but 
you know, just saying, illustrating every little thing. It is, is what it is, now. man. Yeah, yeah. Do your other cats, like, they're not even tempted to go out, are they? No, no. And if they got out, they'd be afraid. No. But Did you train were... them to do that, or they just oh, no. did it on their own? No, one of them's just too lazy, and the other one has never been outside, so it scares him. Um, and these two have never been outside, and I'm hoping it'll scare them. But right now, they're of the age where any opening, they will dart right through. Well, if it it's wasn't for my fenced-in backyard, I would have never let my cats out. Yeah. yeah. Um, because I just don't trust that. I, I Some people are like, yeah, your cat needs to run free and all that and the cats come back and all that and it's great for them but and i used to have that with uh when my when my uh parents when i was you know everybody was living at home and everything and those cats would always be outside for a while be gone forever and then come back and everything but uh i don't know it just feels like a different especially out here i mean we were in rural franklin at that point but like yeah 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 um, <laughs> you've got some shit going on around there's just all sorts of nonsense going on and people just driving their cars super fast down really narrow streets and um everything and i just uh just don't just yeah yeah wouldn't want them to be out in that but you know ever since i've uh, i figured out all the little weaknesses that were in that backyard fence and i put little barriers up and everything that's been a godsend because they don't Mm. they go out there and stay out there they may come in every once in a while bitching about something but like for the most part they're out there and they love being out there in the grass and under the deck and all that so does rip go out yeah yeah really he doesn't go out as much as they do he'll he's usually up here in my bed um just lying around but when he gets up <laughs> he when he gets out there he doesn't want to go back in um oh really yeah i mean nice if he's if he's acclimated like most of the time all i have to do is step towards the door and he runs back in but like sometimes he'll get in that mode where it's like i'm out here i'm out here motherfucker <laughs> hey fuck you buddy yeah hey, buddy. right um last night i was uh, playing poker online until like two o'clock in the morning and and uh cats were just all outside the whole time oh really nice. yeah and i went down and and chester was just lying out there in the grass and uh usually i can just close the door and he'll be like oh no door is closed i need to come down but he didn't do that this time he oh. was already he was ready to just he was ready to uh sleep the the whole night out there yikes Last night he was watching this horror movie, and about t- twenty minutes in, he said, "Yeah, there's not enough nudity in here for Jeremy." <laughs> just like, God damn it! <laughs> I uh, I saw your your uh, Ford V Ferrari, uh, most of it last night. Yeah, what'd you think? Movie fucking rules, man. <laughs> yeah, man, it's really good. <laughs> movie fucking rules. You're right about. It. I saw that that scene that you were talking about with. Tracy Litz, who's such a fucking asshole in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Such an asshole. But you're and that, now that but scene you... is really the only thing that kind of makes you feel for him, you know? Yeah. yeah. Up until then, fuck that guy. From from this point forward, I hope you guys notice Tracy Letts in movies because he's fucking great. Um Big Short he has great moments in that too. I mean it's 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 very brief uh, that he's in it, but he's great. Is he in, the- in Big Short? He's the guy who is the, I guess, the president of the company that Christian Bale is running the fund for. And, oh, uh, okay. And Bale oh, yeah, puts yeah. all that money into that, you know, that short. And and uh, 
he comes in to the office one day and he's like, I want my money back. You motherfucker. I want my money back. <laughs> Give me my money back. Give me my money back. <laughs> he's just good. He's just, a, he's he married to Carrie Coon. Uh, what uh, he, he William Freed can get another one of his too. Um, was it the that Matthew McConaughey, uh, fuck that chicken movie? <laughs> a mud. Uh, no, it wasn't. No, it was it's not that. It's it was uh, the other one, Killer Joe. Killer, Killer Joe. Joe. Yeah, Killer, Killer Joe. Joe. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. Killer, I think he may have written that <laughs> one. All those things like right around the same time. Like, yeah, Mud and Killer Joe. <laughs> Fuck that chicken. <laughs> well, that's exactly what you mean. <laughs> have you seen it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I saw it. Uh, I didn't like it when I first saw it. I may, I may need to give it another shot. Uh, oh, it's I thought seedy. it was just, I thought it was just too, too far, just too far. Um. <laughs> seedy huh and you like seedy are you guys okay with my somewhat arbitrary list of plays and adaptations and stuff like that or did you even look over you you didn't look over did you i didn't i didn't i uh (laughs) i'm like i usually go over and i'll be like yeah that seems that seems right and then i don't look at the specifics that's why (laughs) every time i get that's why every time I get to that list where you're like, I haven't seen these, I'm like, I, I never register that at all. I'm like, just saying, like, we could do cabaret if we wanted to, or a chorus line, or like my fair, La- well, we, we actually my fair lady's on there, but uh, like Oklahoma, like, eh, nobody really cares. <laughs> <laughs> right? mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs>